Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. What's up, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfied Radio, and this is On Course with Hart Ramsey. It's your opportunity to hear the heart of God by way of the man of God, and of course, that's Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pastor Hart, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Gerard. How are you doing? I am well. So last week or so it was my birthday, and we decided we were going to the movies. And in going to the movies, we probably went to see a movie that probably wasn't a birthday kind of movie. We we went to go see The Hate You Give, very, very powerful, powerful movie that uh, I think really had an impact on both my wife and I and seemingly everyone I've talked to. And so I figured we'd take some time to talk about this uh, powerful movie, The Hate You Give. Uh, What were your thoughts on that movie, man? Well, you know, it wasn't what I expected. When I went to see the movie, I, I I don't know what I was expecting, but I was blown away by everything about it. What yeah. a great movie. Yeah. Um, the message, the 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 packaging of the message, even even the fact that I was I didn't I didn't think th- that it was an acronym for thug. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> I learned something. <laughs> So I, I learned that, and and then I learned for, further that it was from I guess one of Tupac's um, big songs. Right. But but the whole movie spoke to the reality of many things that we're seeing happening today in our nation. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Um, one of the, one of the parts that grabbed me. Uh, well, let me jump in right here. One of the parts that grabbed me about it, Gerard, was um, and w- there's so much to unpack about it. So I'm gonna let you pick and choose. But the one part that that got me was it took me back to when I used to work at a predominantly predominantly white church okay and I've spoken about this before and when I was there with them um I was one of two black people on staff mm-hmm. and then later on they fired the other black guy but so I went through a, a stint where I was the only black guy on staff and I was in, in, um immersed in this unfortunately it's a Christian church but it was a white world I was introduced to Rush Limbaugh uh, and and that um that far right ideology is what they were into. And I didn't even, I knew it was weird, I knew it was wrong, but I didn't know how to say anything about it at the time. Sure. But one of the things that, that I saw in the movie was, you remember, uh, uh, what was the main character, her name, what was her name? Star. Star. You remember mm-hmm. she, called, she called herself Star 2.0? Right. Because whenever she went to this uh, predominantly white school in the predominantly white neighborhood, she had to become someone else. I lived that for four years. Yeah. And one of the things that they, one of the things that was done to me in that situation, what she experienced, was that as long as she um, bought into their um, reality or their the pseudo reality that she was superior, she was a little mm-hmm. bit better than the others. Although she was from where they were and she was the same skin color, she was better because she was with them. Right. Supremacy always invites people of color to buy into the lie of superiority. 
to justify their connection or even their allow them allowing this person of color who's supposed to be uh, substantially lower than they are. But but because you're superior to the others, you can hang with us. And the moment you rebel against that notion is when you you find yourself on the outs with them. I thought that was very well portrayed in the movie because I've lived that. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Certainly growing up in this little town uh, called Monticello, New York, in the Catskill Mountains, uh, we went to, it was funny because I definitely could relate to the Star 2.0, you know, growing up and going to a a predominantly African-American church, and yet in my classes in school, uh, particularly in the advanced classes that I was in, I was only one of two blacks, and the class was like 30 people. So I quickly became accustomed to having to seemingly differentiate yourself um, from the quote unquote others and you're the quote unquote safe one right? Um, until things happen, which all of a sudden will draw those lines for you. For me, it was a scenario where uh, my brother and I, who happened to have lockers right across from each other. We were at our locker one morning and uh, an, uh, a Caucasian young lady who oddly enough was in the same band with me and our band was our homeroom. Uh, she had put something on the top of the locker and it went missing and immediately she accused him. Wow. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. He didn't do it. And certainly I didn't do it. Like we're doing our own thing here. But I mean, she just completely like went off to the point where it became a very real issue. And I ended up writing a uh, I it let because I'm not the I'm not the fighter. So for me, it was the power of the pen. And I, I wrote a piece in our high school newspaper um, and I'll use this term here I you, you'll get it but uh the term was just another nigger yeah and that's how I felt and in and my best friend at the time was uh a Caucasian Jewish guy who wrote a a uh counter piece or a, a complimentary piece that said ashamed to be white and uh, it was a very powerful moment to the point where the principal, who was African-American, brought us in. And he was like, now, before we publish this, we had to put this to our lawyers. Now, there won't be any riots, will there? I mean, they're asking me all these questions. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to write what I feel. And, you know, they had submitted it and, and it ended up being published and it created a moment. Um, and the whole point for saying that is this has been our history for years years and years the duplicity that uh african americans have had to have whether it's going to the white school or going to the corporate office you know or in in our cases um going to the caucasian or seemingly multicultural churches and having to blend in and not necessarily be fully who we are uh what are some of the other things that stuck out to you about this movie because there were so many things to unpack with this one you know the the the, the characters in the movie were, were, were very diverse but the father's the father's um awareness of what we say today his wokeness yes was very inspiring to me because um it, it was it was actually driven by fear he right, knew right. he he knew the dangers it was just a part of uh, another thing too that while I'm unpacking that is 
is not only did he know the, the danger of of um the of uh, uh, confrontation with law enforcement, but also he he had it in his rearview mirror, so to speak, of his life, the fact that he was an ex gangbanger. Right. And so he's trying to keep his family intention, so to speak, in the middle of of um either being on um over here with with the gang. Or being being harmed by the police, and that's a that, that's a reality of the ghetto. That's a reality of living in a world where where man, it's hard. And you know what's crazy, Gerard, is the people who have not lived that, or they can't relate to it. Right. It, right. It, it, it seems to them like we're overreacting, like 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 um like uh, we. I heard someone say, "Well, uh, y'all want to be victim victims." First of all, that's insulting. Um, given the history of. The African American in, in America—that's insulting. Right, no, right. We, we've never been the victim, but we've we've been violated. Right. And right. so, in the movie, the father's the father's position, his presence of mind to train his children on how to engage the police. Um. Um. Of course, there was there was the there was a stereotypical um engagement with the police. Um. And to me, it was used properly to kind of show how things could go left real quickly. Right. right. Uh, I. I. But I. But her. The father's influence on the family, his his hardness and then his softness, it, it was a good blend. I, what do you th- what did you think? I thought he was a great male role model. I did too, particularly in an environment where we don't have very many uh, black male role models portrayed on screen um, that are family men. I thought that that was really powerful. I mean, it was powerful to see, you know, how he was able to turn his life around and to be a family man and and. To your point, you know, be hard when he needed to, you know, whether it was defending his family or even those moments to his family. You know, I remember the scene after uh, he went out to confront the 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 king of the drug pin or whatever that that whole kingpin thing yeah and so when he addressed him and then they ran off but then the cops pinned him up against the 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 window yeah uh, while they were out to dinner and of course it shook up the kids and then he had the kids you know get in the front yard and he had them recite the different things that he'd been teaching them and i thought that was just such a powerful moment because i think lost in all that we're dealing with today is the the presence of the strong father you know yeah. and to have that displayed you know and it and it shows why there is the need for the role of both the father and the mother they balance each other out well and you know those strong fathers are needed to be able to provide that solid foundation and yet be nurturing when necessary you know so that was i thought that was very very well done and very powerful um uh for me that's yeah, and that that scene it was is one of the scenes that stuck out in my mind as well. When he, when he in his frustration, he lined his family up on the on the front lawn and made them recite that code. Yes, and um and what I loved also, um giving giving a lot of honor also to to the queen in his life, to the woman that was there. She didn't get in the way. She was like right. she realized he was doing his daddy thing. He was doing the man thing. Absolutely, and I, and I think just the balance uh, it shows a black family, um, in 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 modern America a black family is not gonna look like a white family on television absolutely because what we got to deal with is very different yes and so there, there is a different set of values a different set of, of of circumstances to deal with um you know the, the 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 crazy part in this whole thing as well is um um he is again leading his family through this this tension 
of, of keeping them in the middle. And there are men out there doing that now, Gerard. There, there are right, men right. who are guiding their family through that. And, and they're ex-thugs, and they still got some thuggery in them, so to speak. They could roll mm-hmm. either way you need them to roll, but they have this sense of, I want my family to win. I want my family to do, to do, to do better. Right. And you remember after um, they, his house was shot up. Right. Man, he got his family taken care of, but he went back to the house, and he was he waiting sh- like, like, what are we going to do? That's right. Because and, and I laughed, you know, my wife and I laughed because that's some junk that I would do. <laughs> I <laughs> believe that, junk. actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate to that on a personal level, man. You, uh, where I, coming from where I come from, that's the way you have to you have to be that guy. Yeah. Another part of the of the movie that I thought um, stood stood out to me was the the progression of the coming of age of of the daughter star and and yes. the brother. You know, the brother, um, the older brother. What was his name? Um, Seven. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, seven. That's right. His, his, you know, his, that character. I guess we, he needs unpacking as well because just the way that family was embracing how he was born, that whole thing is just it spoke such volumes to me. But but the way she she came of age, yeah, through the movie, um, um, different unveilings, different revealings to her, different enlightenments, where she where she started to see what people were about on every level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that spoke volumes to her. She had the tie of the of growing up with this young man that was killed, and then she had a tie at the white school, and she had people that she loved there, and people that she loved, and she was trying to keep her world separated because she knew that she would be seen differently if if the if the white kids really understood her real world, and 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 she wanted to kind of. And then there's the issue of the white boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> so so here's a scene. I, I have to interrupt myself in the middle of this. Is when she brings the white wife boyfriend home. It's interesting that her mother knew about the boyfriend, but her daddy didn't. Right. <laughs> right. So let me ask you a question, Gerard. Do you, let's flip the script from here. Do you think that the father discriminated against him when he when he tried to tip him as a chauffeur? You, you know what's funny? I I think he. I think there was the construct in his head that with all of the things he's taught his family, there's no way, first of all, that a white young man would be in town at that time of night. Right. And secondly, there's definitely no way that her that his daughter would have chosen this white young man. So y- you could argue that it's discrimination. Um, <laughs> you know, I-, I just think he thought that with the values and things that he taught that that would not have been her her choice. But to that point, as I'm listening to myself, I'm like, hmm, I guess to a degree it 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 could be be classified as as discrimination which i think is interesting well you know her answer to him and, and we should have put a spoiler alert at the beginning of this yeah i guess we should have if, but, if you, you haven't know. seen the movie we just revealing the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot to unpack so you still it need is, to go see it's, it. it's it's deeper than we're actually revealing but the one scene where, where um she revealed to him like he his thing i thought i taught you better than that and she her thing is like yes you did you, you, the mm-hmm. point got across because you taught me to see people as people yeah, you taught me to see a man as a man. Yeah, and so with that, I, I, I think I won't reveal any more of of uh, what I saw. But I, I just I love the movie. My wife and I were really um, impacted by it. We we talked about it when we left, and we I felt like, as a matter of fact, it 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 um it prompted me on Sunday in my Montgomery location to make an appeal to the men to step up. Wow. 
In these times, we need real men, men who've been through it, men who've messed up and, and, and recovered. I'm talking about the ex-felons. I'm talking about the ones who the ones who didn't get it right, the ones who didn't, right. who didn't stay in school, and the ones who are the doctors and the lawyers. We need all these men. The, the communities need these men to step up and say, this is manhood. This is what it looks like. We're here for you. You have to walk the road for yourself, but we want to be the voice of wisdom and the voice of reason. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. And now, a word from our sponsor. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Hart Ramsey. Yeah. To receive this encouragement on a daily basis, download the NCC Family app available in the app stores for Apple and Google Play. Once again, to receive Heart Ramsey's Uplift, simply download the free NCC Family app available in the app stores for iTunes and Google Play. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. You know, speak, speaking of manhood, as as you're talking about that, I really felt that they did a great job of portraying the the diversity in manhood. Um, whether it was the father, of course, you had uh, the the drug lord who was uh, the evil guy, but then you also had two African American cops. Yes. Uh, one was played by Common, and he was the uncle. And then you had another one who was involved uh, in in picking them up. But and he, for you know, as a side note, is a WWE superstar. I should just go ahead and mention that. I didn't know but, that. Well, I knew his face when okay. I saw his face. I'm like, that's Percy Watson. It's like that's is exactly who that is. I didn't and, know. Yeah, so it's just those little ancillary things I know. But (laughs) (laughs) be that as it may, I thought what was powerful, uh, the scene with Common, and first of all, there were some interesting tensions there. The tension between the father and the uncle. And I, 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 I wanted to dig into that and understand it a bit better, but I think I think it had something to do with the fact that while the father was away in jail. The uncle was helping to, I guess, care for the children, which I can imagine. And there was some tension there very clearly. Um, but what I thought was powerful was the one scene when Star 
asked the cop, you know, if these roles were reversed, because the cop was explaining, you know, he was explaining why they treated the young man that they did, that it looked like he had a weapon and et cetera. And so she flipped the script and she said, hey, if it was uh, a man in a different neighborhood who was Caucasian in a business suit and the exact same thing happened, would you have asked him to at least put his hands up? And he said that he would. And it was a powerful scene. And for me, it gave us insight. And it's funny because it's often hard to hear the cops explain themselves, usually because they're Caucasian. So to hear an African-American cop explain himself, you almost understood it until the script got flipped. Right, that was a, that was casting genius too. I thought it, it really to, was to have it to have common be the cop to explain that, or to, and I think for him for the police officer in that scene, it was a realization. It was if you find it, it dawned on him, man, we have we have a double standard. Right, um, but but it's it's the reality of it, and um, I, I thought that as we as we look at the movie from beginning to end, the whole body of it. It, 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 like I said, it was a great commentary on modern society. It's exactly, and I think, and I think, you know, what's great when we went to see Gerard sitting next to us was was a white lady. Wow! And and you could tell um, she was. I mean, it was you know we went at an off time, so it was like maybe about twenty of us in the theater, okay. and she was sitting on the same row with us, maybe about six seats down, and, and it was only the three of us: my wife, myself, and her on that row. And you could see she was literally moved by the entire thing wow. the, the realization it puts in context um what you've been seeing bits and pieces of and it totally slaps fox news in the face right because if that's true what fox news is reporting can't be true mm-hmm. and, and and we know from experience that that is the way our community the government our policing it's set up, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's, and it's funny. I can relate to that because when my kids were little, I had the same conversation with them. I, I taught them to put your hand on the dashboard and don't move till I tell you wow. whenever we pulled over. And whenever police would pull us over, the first thing I have my kids do is put their hands where it could be seen. Wow. I, I taught. It's crazy. I, when I, my wife and I got married, I told her that's that's my custom. If mm-hmm. we get pulled over, put your hand on the, on the dashboard. My hand will remain on the steering wheel until I'm directed by the police. Wow. I keep a gun in my uh, 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 loaded in my glove compartment, and so uh, what what I would do is in a situation that when I pull over by myself, I would request the police take me out of the car mm-hmm. and go into my glove compartment and and get my, my my piece so they can't play no games. Right. You know. Um. And so so that entire thing I think was a good depiction of the reality of what people of color have to deal with, what brown people have to deal with in the, these United States. Yeah, it's it's powerful. There was another interesting narrative uh, in there about, and this is, and I know some people have this argument, so that's why I feel like we need to talk about this. So, the shooting happens. The young boy gets killed. Uh, Star watches this, and then she gets picked up by her best friend's father, who happens to be the the kingpin over the drug uh, organization that this young man was eventually sell, or ultimately selling for. And he tries to dissuade her from testifying and saying anything coming forward. She comes forward and now he's unleashing havoc 
on their family, which speaks to this issue of black on black crime. Yes. And it it for some who believe in the all lives matter movement, um, for some it makes them it may make them feel like, well, of course all lives matter and why can't we say black lives matter when when you don't care about your own lives? Let's let, let's kind of pick that apart to really get an understanding of why that is in our community that we see a young man unarmed who gets shot and killed, but yet this other black man does not want this to be exposed for fear of what it will do to him. Why do we see that in our community? Because in our community, because of what well, is the root cause is the poverty, which is okay. institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not just saying this. You know, one of the things I did, I, I did a study years ago, and I taught in my church, um, living in the 51st state. Wow. Um, how um, a study on black poverty in America. I taught this series for like 12 weeks at my church on a Sunday morning. Wow. Living in the 51st state. I showed them scripturally, and I, I actually showed them how it worked. Now, this is important for us to unpack because um, the poverty... Um, the, the living on the other side of the railroad tracks is by design. Every white person who went to city manager school or or, or city planner school, they learn how to draw the city in such a way where the where the, the where people of color and the poor people will live close to the place wherever the goods were brought in, whether it be an airport or the train tracks, so that it will not disturb the white and richer people who it was believed that since they were paying to have the goods brought to the city, they should not suffer the inconvenience of having to hear the goods come in, especially if they're trying to rest. Wow. That's the logic they had. And so it, it was a standard part of your, your, your training when you went to college for, to be a city planner. Okay? And so because of that, you move forward. And so it creates this, this um, um, greenhouse effect of poverty and need and lack and, and um, dog eat dog and the rat race. And, and, and then um, a quick way to make money is if, when people try to medicate the pain of this situation, then since someone becomes the, the um, illegal pharmacist he, he, um, to, to, to supply the drug. So you go outside of our community, you, 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 um, you get drugs from the people who mean us no good, you bring them into our community, and it gives you a measure of notoriety and a measure of prosperity in the community, and, and it makes you what, what it makes you is a predator. It makes you a parasite on your own community, and so in, in that movie, what we saw was this guy trying to protect his his um his little uh, empire that mm-hmm. he built on the backs of of people's pain and people's addiction, and uh, the, the crime in our community. A lot of it is is based on the poverty we're experiencing and how. Um, uh, especially if a person becomes a crackhead and they become throwaway, they become just a means for you to 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 get yours, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so we don't mind in our community um, where we've been taught for years that, excuse my expression, a nigga ain't worth nothing. Mm-hmm. That mentality has to be corrected first. Right. It has to be corrected first for, before um, black on black crime can be addressed. But but uh, make no mistake about it, it doesn't begin in the black community. It begins in the way we have depicted, in the way we, we've been treated, in the way we've been uh, imprisoned, so to speak, in the ghetto, and with no hope. There are no doors out of the ghetto unless you have someone who, who has great hope and great faith and say, man, we don't have to, we were, we were raised like this. It's been in our, our family for years, but we don't have to, we don't have to stay like this. Wow. I hope that speaks to I hope that speaks to what you asked. It does. It does. And I think it's it's really the kind of 
of thought process that we need to consider that really black and black black on black crime is more of a symptom than it is the actual problem actually that's correct yeah yeah and 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 it makes sense as you explain it because again you know if you think about it uh for anything that is foreign to the community to enter usually those things come in by ship or they come in you know by plane you know but if you know most of our african-american communities are nowhere near the ocean Right. You know, it's it's not some sort of seaside community, so right. it's got to be brought in from somewhere, right? You know, um, and so it's it's a really it's a really crazy moment, and so certainly I know how I felt leaving that movie, a ball of emotions. What were your feelings leaving that movie? Well, in a word, I was enlightened, man. I was in, not not that anything in the movie was something. I hadn't contemplated before, but what it did was the entire packaging of the movie and what they were trying to communicate, the message got across to me, man. It, it, it spoke to me and said that uh, I cannot be silent. Right. I, I cannot I cannot be absent. Um, what I'm seeing in, in the media and in, in society is very real and it's having an effect because you know the whole theme of the movie was the, the moment to me the, the fulcrum moment in the movie where everything pivoted was the little boy with the gun yes because the truth of the matter is it's real yes uh, and, and, and in Tupac's song that's what Tupac was saying Tupac was saying man um, basically in, in, in a, a more um, um, learned um, language he's saying that that uh, we're the product of our environment. Yes, we're, we're the we're the product of what we've seen. The oppression that you give is going to come out another way. It's going to we respond based. You can't just expect to to shut up people in, lock them down, deprive them, um um um, just take advantage of them, police them harshly, and don't expect them to come out hardened, right. hardened and, 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 and worse than they were before. You can't lock us up, treat us like dogs in, in these um in these prisons where where um we're disproportionately arrested, convicted, given longer sentences. Um the whole system in prison is designed to dehumanize and then bring us back on the street and expect us to be good. Right. Right. So it's saying it, it's, it's a sowing and reaping thing. It's that's why I walked away with this moment of this, this idea of you know what um, we cannot become um, complicit or, or even complacent in this. We got to be vigilant and continue to fight this system of oppression yeah, in yeah. different ways, in creative ways, spiritually, educationally, um, different ways. We have to go after it and not be not be um, burnt out doing it. Right. That's what I left. I left with. I was enlightened. Wow. Wow, it it was a very it was very emotional um, for me. I think I just kind of wondered, like America, like how and why is this our reality? Yeah. You know, it's it's a shame that you know parents uh, look to try to give their children a better life and send them to different schools, and they do all they can, and yet, you know. It, it, it doesn't matter the, the school you're at. It doesn't matter your, your education or even your religious beliefs. When people see us, they see people of color first. And there is something in people that, for whatever reason, they are threatened by us. 
you know, the idea that a police officer whose gun is readily accessible would think that someone would reach into their car to pull out a gun and then shoot them. And that that's the first thought that comes to mind. Right. Particularly when it's uh, people of color. It's a scary reality. Um, and I'm sure you, you can relate to this. It's just, you know, there's a reality that us as African-American men have in this country that other people groups don't necessarily understand or relate to, you yeah. know, um, you know, for, you know, it's amazing. Even some women, when they drive, you know, they can pull over and, and you know, they can get out of a ticket because of the way they look. Right. Not us. You know, we don't we don't have that luxury. We're all, it, it, we we it's a very rare thing where we can be pulled over and be treated in a humane way. And, um, you know, and then the vilifying of young African-American men to create this narrative as though, well, you know, he was already a drug dealer. You know, he already did this. He already did that. And we've seen it tons of times. You know, even the young worship leader in Texas who was shot in his own house, right. you know, they tried to paint this. Well, you know, he, he was smoking weed. And, and what does that have to do with anything? You know, and, and so this is the the scary piece, um, you know, in living in America as a, a person of color that you can be doing all the right things and you can get pulled over and your life can end. It is a scary reality in our country. Um, and so it was a very sobering space for me, um, you know, just to know again, I, I, I told my wife the other day, I don't like getting pulled over by the cops. And she's like, well, why do you always drive the speed limit? Because yeah. I don't like getting pulled over by the, like, that is no way. It, you it you just, know what's no scary way. about it too, Gerard, is, is that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very intimidating thing to, to be pulled over by the police and then look in your rear view and this guy's coming to you with his, his gun. Right. He, right. He, he, he unstraps his holster. His hand is on his gun. He walks up to your car. You don't even know. You don't know who he is. You don't know how he was raised. Right. You don't know he, if he's one of them guys, man, that that uh, want to get a kill under his belt, or or he has a, a a bad experience with with a black. You don't even know who this person is, and you have to listen to his instructions. You don't know if he's a coward from high school that went into law enforcement to to feel safe. You don't even know who these people are. Exactly. Matter of fact, I don't know if you heard about this, but this this is something that happened to us recently. My wife went to visit her parents, and on the way back, um, she you know she has a, a black BMW 650i, mm-hmm. and a police officer pulled her over. And so she looked at the speed limit. She, was, she said, "Oh, I was going two two miles, two miles over the speed limit." So wow. she said, "Well." So she, the guy comes up to the car. She said she noticed he's walking to the car and he's running his hand across her car, like in a very seductive way. What? And so he comes up to the window and she said, "Um, what did I do wrong?" He said, "Oh, nothing." He said, oh, "I just wanted to touch your car." What? No, listen. Yeah, I, I posted about it in Twitter. I just wanted to touch your car because he said, I, uh, I, I've always seen these cars and I've never touched one. So he pulled my wife over to just, touch her car. Wow. And, and the way he said it to her is, I just wanted to, I just wanted to touch it. See, now I'm going to tell you something. Wow. You see, now, now and he's from a little country um, police department just uh, up the street from from Dothan, and my thing is uh, this is this the issue ain't done yet. No, because because the department probably don't have before five officers, so they know who it is. Mm-hmm. If he because if he reported to stop, and my thing is man, so so you gonna intimidate my wife? What were you trying to say to her? Right, because I don't play that. 
Right. I don't listen. I've been saved for thirty something years, but I, I ain't that saved. Listen, <laughs> that's real. I mean, how you gonna pull my wife over? Tell me you just want to touch it. What were you talking? What are we talking about here? The car? I want to know what you're talking about because you see, they play them games with black women who are by themselves. Right. Right. And and, and her thing, man. Her thing is like, yo. First of all, <laughs> my husband bought me this car. Right. And you know, and and, and you know, he sees a preacher, but he ain't all the way. Hello. Sane. I mean, <laughs> hello. <laughs> no, the, yeah, I, I, I thought I told you about this. It's just the craziest wow. thing. So, so these things that we saw in this movie are very, very real. Very. There's a there's abuse of power. There's there's um the fear. These, these um uh, and when the young man was shot in that movie, it was, um the whole now the young man was was well he did not give respect to the situation. Um he I don't think he had a father in his life to alert him to the seriousness of of, of what he was dealing with with these police. Right. Right. Right, but Star right. Star was like she was concerned because she had things like no my daddy already taught me how this can go down and it mm-hmm. went down the same way for him like she feared right yeah it, it's it's very very powerful so for those who are listening and I do know that we have people of multiple races listening to us please understand uh, one of the reasons why you need to see this movie is you need to be able to see what happens after the headlines leave the news cycle you yeah. know um, because I've been in scenarios where you know I've been at churches when I asked well why didn't you talk about Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman and they said oh it wasn't even on the radar so for a people group it's just another headline that comes and goes but for another section of the population this is life and death there are things that happen and so you know these types of movies are important because they create conversation necessary conversation that will help people understand that it's more than a story it's more than a news bite it's more than an opportunity to protest there are our lives connected to this there are you know sons and nephews and fathers uh my lord we just heard about angela simmons uh the fa- you know the, the guy who she had a baby with he was shot in cold blood i mean like this stuff is very real wow. and it yeah. happens to our community and now you have children growing up without parents not because they walked out but because they were taken out you know, that's a completely different reality. So check out this movie, but more importantly, be open to the kinds of conversations that need to be had because this is what begins to bring racial harmony and racial unity when you can really understand uh, how the other half lives. I really hope you guys enjoyed today's session. It was a really cool one. Certainly want to hear your thoughts on this session, the movie to hate you give. You can use the hashtag on social media on course or heart to heart. That's H-A-R-T, the number two, and then H-E-A-R-T. Certainly we want you to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Rate it, download it, and subscribe to it on iTunes and Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time as we get on course with Heart Ramsey.